This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the New Books Network podcast. I'm Deidre Tyler. Today, we'll be talking with Jacqueline N. Park, author of The Podcast Handbook, Create It, Market It, Make It Great. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Deidre. Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you. Can you start by telling us something about yourself and how you became interested in this project? Well, um, since I was young, I've always loved journalism. I knew at a very young age that I would be involved in some aspect of it, whether it be a publicist or a reporter. Um, My dad was a senior radio technician at CBS in Manhattan, and that's where I developed my love for journalism. I practically grew up at CBS. When, When I worked and went to school in Manhattan, my mom and I would meet him in the lobby and watch all these reporters and celebrities walk in and out of the doors. I decided then that I wanted to start my own magazine. My mom was my first investor. And at the time, um, in the 80s, giving me $2,500 was a lot, you know, to have it print. It created um, a buzz, but I was too young to capitalize on it. I had no mentor. And then I got my dream job at RCA Jive Records in the 90s, where I met this young manager named uh, Tony Rassan. He knew about my publishing background and asked if I would help him co-found a hip-hop trade magazine called The 411. That publication was trailblazing because there were no other hip-hop trade magazines out there. We, pro- we provided the top sales report of hip-hop music, which Billboard ignored. Tony also stressed editorially that he wanted no fluff in the writing. He just wanted straight facts. And this really resonated with the artists. They loved it. And um, one of my proudest moments was watching Fredro Starr of the hip hop group Onyx read my article right in front of me. It was, um, it made me feel Uh, terrific to know that he really enjoyed my article. And then I decided to create a behind-the-scenes webzine called Huddling with the Pros. I call it webzine. Back then, they used to call it webzine, but it's really an online magazine. In 1996, so with that same no-fluff concept, I focused solely on the off-field, off-court activities of pro athletes and officials in sports. Unfortunately, um, I focused only on the editorial content and not on the marketing because I really thought advertisers would find us, but they did not. So eventually I let it fall to the wayside. I also had a lot going on. I started a new job and my grandmother died. And then a few later, a few years later, my mom passed. You know, it was a really rough time. 
Um, my mom always, always wanted me to graduate from college. So when she passed in August 2005, I enrolled in Mercy College in September 2005. A Mercy professor by the name of Judith Mitchell ran the communications program. She pushed me to register and gave me really great uh, words of encouragement. Because I was teetering on should I go, should I not go, and mixed in with a bit of depression, I really needed the push from her, and I eventually decided to attend, and it was really the best decision I made. Educators, they really don't realize the impact they have on students' life. It took me about eight years to graduate from Mercy with my bachelor's, but I did it. Um, I then went on to get my master's in communications, and I started to think about Hudlin and how I could reinvent it. Um, I contacted a marketing professional who told me, and I quote, do yourself a favor and start a podcast. And I was like, a what? A podcast? What is that? And that word was foreign to me. So I did my research. I called my brother Maurice and told him to grab a friend. He grabbed his friend, Jason Lee, because I'm starting a sports podcast and I wanted him to be my first host. It started from there. My dad told me to give it call letters. So I called it HWTP Sports, which is Huddle with the Pros, Sports Talk, which has evolved over the years. Great. You talk about radio and social media. Was radio the earliest form of social media? Tell us about that. In a sense, because it reached a mass amount of people, it was a place where family and friends would gather, sharing moments, expressing opinions, and having intense conversations, whether it was about the war, politics, or even nonfiction report. Um, social media today is similar. It's also a breathing ground for false news. People run with every morsel of unproven information from an unreliable sources. But um, I'm going to give you an example. Have you heard of War of the World? Yes. Okay. So as you know, it was a program that ran in 1938 and was produced by actor-director Orson Welles. This is something that I also um, let my students hear. Um, directed by Orson Welles, I said that. It sounded like a, a music broadcast and they would interp interrupt the music with breaking news called bulletins. The breaking news was that Martians were invading New Jersey. Throughout the broadcast, as you know, these news bulletins would increase and more and more information would fil filter out. They interviewed Princeton astronomer and eyewitness and eyewitnesses on the streets who sounded real. The broadcast caused chaos. People were in the streets with guns, fleeing their homes. It was incredible. And if I'm honest, I could see why the listeners were fooled. It was storytelling at its finest. And I think we have some of that going on in our society today and especially social media. Yes. The 1930s, Families and Radio, what were some of the programs that families listened to? Uh, shows like Ozzie and Harriet, Sherlock Holmes, and um, comedy duo Abbott and Costello, to name a few. As you know, the third, 1930s was a time of the Great Depression, and as we all know, so it was so it was essential to get your mind off of war and economy. So pro programs like these gave some relief. Extension of blogging. Explain this. Well, think about what a blog is. It's usually done in a conversational style. It allows readers to comment on the article. It's shareable. You can link to other bloggers you cite or promote. It can be informational or newsworthy. It's the same concept as your traditional blogging, but with podcasts. 
which as you know, is audio. Platforms like Block Talk Radio allow you to have a comment sec- section underneath your podcast. So listeners can, pro- can provide feedback. You can add podcasts to your website and link to other podcasts. It's shareable. They have embedded codes. It's, it's incredible. Now, how did the early podcasts differ from the ones today? From a technical side, the medium has evolved tremendously. There are more companies that are providing both record, recording and hosting platforms with their services before you had to subscribe to either a hosting platform or a recording platform. These platforms are also automatically generating RSS feeds. RSS feeds are extremely important because it allows your podcast to be listed on streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and others. Also, more and more platforms are providing embedded codes so that podcasters can and add it to any social media platform or their websites. Who's listening to these podcasts today? Millennials and my generation, which is uh, Generation X. Millennials are the age group who listen to podcasts and are podcasters themselves. Podcast fits every lifestyle because you can listen wherever and whenever you want. I was reading um, a recent Edison research report for 2021, and they said because of COVID lockdown, podcast listenership grew to 116 million people. And they their breakdown is 43% men, 39% women. Wow. Now, what platform? Well, uh, the platforms that, I mean, it's subjective. So, because what works for me might not work for you. Personally, one of the best platforms out there is Block Talk Radio. They are probably the only one that provides a call-in number and allows guests to listen to the show while waiting for their segment. Also, you can record with multiple people at the same time. I actually started with them, but the problem was their customer service. There, There were a lot of issues. They didn't seem to care when I left. That's how poor their customer service was. You know, I unfortunately had to leave. And when you have a platform with those types of issues, it's hard to build a serious show. But um, like you, what we're recording on, I use Zencaster for recording. I use Adobe Audition and Premiere for editing. Editing, It's user-friendly when recording with a client. Sometimes I, I use Zoom for social cues, but you must, you know, you have to be careful using Zoom with Zencaster because it does slow down your internet and it could compromise the sound of your recording. Uh, I unfortunately learned the hard way. Okay. Now, why do you want to start a podcast? Like any business, you need to know your objective. So this is what I teach my students. You need to know why you're starting this. Is it to earn money? Is it for networking? Is it for fun? Knowing this determines the type of podcast you create and the money you invest. If you're trying to make money by attracting advertisers or networking or both, you'll want a podcast that sounds professional and have exceptional audio. You'll also want to research the types of podcasts relating to your subject matter to see what they are lacking and perhaps you could build on. Um, If you're doing it for fun, you might not have to invest time or money into your podcast, but you should certainly um, do your research. Does the personality matters in hosting a podcast? Um, I I think it does. I I think it also matters over the sound of someone's voice. If you have a if you have a great personality that listener the, that listeners connect with, they will be loyal and follow you wherever you go. It creates branding too. 
Wow. Tell us about your schedule and doing your podcast. It has varied now since um, the release of my book, but my sports podcast, HWTP Sports Talk with David Weinstein, which I created, is on hiatus at the moment. But when it was in its prime, each week went like this. Production meetings on Monday, recording on Wednesday, editing on Thursday, and uploading the podcast on Friday. Then between those days, I would have my clients and a full-time job. It was grueling. The worst part of podcasting is editing. And I did all the editing. So that was so time-consuming. I have not produced an episode of HWT Sports in over a year, I would say. And even discussing it now, it, it I, I get that burnt out feeling. I hope David isn't listening. <laughs> so it is a big schedule. You know, tell us about the talking points and scripts. What's the difference going on there? Okay, so talking points are more like bullet points of what, as a host, um, want to discuss with your guests so that you can organize your thoughts and don't forget what you want to say. Um, David Weinstein, as I told you, my podcast host, would use talking points and add links to to his talking points so he could go back and quote from the article during the conversation or do research, actually. Um, everyone has their own process, but it helps you sound organized and promotes a flowing conversation. Scripts are your intros, your breaks, your station identification identifications and outros. They are are what listeners hear each week. It it provides listener expectations and it also promotes branding. You know, you talk about journaling and how it helps a podcaster. Tell the audience about that. Well, journaling, journaling in this aspect is more of a creative process that could get people thinking of what they want out of life and form ideas. I actually had a student who told me he wanted to do a podcast on sports. And after journaling, he realized he wanted to do a podcast on college freshman life. It was amazing how it helped him. So journaling is really a creative process. Do you think telling stories using audio is increasing and why? I believe storytelling investigative podcasts put podcasts at the forefront, more specifically serials, uh, This American Life with their story of Adnan Syed and the murder of his girlfriend. Um, That particular series received over a billion downloads, and I believe it's still growing. I I I personally listened to it, and it was incredible. But in actuality, if you look at the statistics, the popular podcasts are music, health and fitness, followed by history, news, and, and then true crime. Now, how were you able to get Jesse Jackson and Tiger Woods to be on your program? (laughs) Well, Tiger Woods was not on my podcast, but when I had my online sports magazine, he did invite my reporters to his charity golf tournament in Las Vegas uh, each year. At the time of my online magazine, that I mentioned earlier, there were only a few news outlets that would cover charity events, and we were one of them. There were far few networks and media that would report on it. So his team would always give us all access credentials, and he would always talk to us. It was pretty cool. As for Jesse Jackson, 
That was incredible as well. The Super Bowl was held in Atlanta, I believe, 2019. And there was so much controversy surrounding it because of voter suppression, Colin Kaepernick's knee controversy, and the fact that the NFL has a long history of hypocrisy when it comes to race, violence towards women. So to have the Super Bowl in a city that is known as the cradle of the civil rights movement with so much history, and to have someone like Gladys Knight, an activist herself, as the singer of the national anthem was a blessing and a curse, I guess. In response to a question about Kaepernick kneeling, she said, and I'm going to quote this, I understand that Mr. Kaepernick is protesting two things, and they are police violence and injustice. It is unfortunate that our, our national anthem has been dragged into this debate when the distinctive senses of the national anthem and fighting for justice should each stand alone. Some found her statement tone deaf and hypocritical as a woman who fought for civil rights. So for our show, I had to get a civil rights activist. I tried Reverend Butts, no response. Reverend Andrew Young, no response. I finally tried Reverend Jesse Jackson. And to my surprise, his publicist answered. And because Reverend the Reverend had such strong opinions about what was happening to Kaepernick, he wanted to come on a sports show to share those opinions. And we were more than happy to oblige. But what we found out quickly, he didn't want to talk about his friend Gladys's controversial statement. It was a very cool moment for us, and one we'll never forget, that's for sure. Now, you gave some advice on connecting with the audience. What would you suggest for audience connection? Well, the audience wants to um, be able to connect with the, the your host. Um, they want to hear interesting content. Um, they want to be engaged so that they can um, post on social media, they can share on uh, social media, you know, they, they want to be able to comment, they want to read blogs and episodes. So it, engaging, I feel like that is the best way to um, to really get listeners to, to be loyal to your brand and to really have a good host and content. Now, what is the overall message you want to leave the readers with after they finish your book it's really short it's 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 more of a feeling satisfaction that they really learned from my book and they are able to create a, a great podcast can you tell us what is the next project you'll be working on well I'm currently working with uh, Warner Brothers Discovery which owns 150 media on a proof of concept podcast that um, Lamonia Brown and her fantastic team um, leads. I also created an, an internal podcast program at my firm, Boy Schiller Flexner. We have exceptional turn attorneys who have been a part of landmark cases and, and the civil rights movements. And I also have a book appearance at Barnes and Nobles in Westchester, New York at their East Chester Scarsdale store on Tuesday, September 13 at 7 p.m. if anyone wants to meet me there. And I'm also working on a book workshop at a local library in Rockland, and all of which will be posted on my website if anyone is interested in attending or learning more about me at sweetgcoms.com. Well, thank you for appearing on the show. And again, the book is The Podcast Handbook, Create It, Market It, Make It Great. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me.